Mike was a podcast uh, for dinner. Finally got it right. No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm never going to get it right. Alongside Priscilla. Priscilla, how are we feeling today? Immediate reactions, obviously, as usual, to get started. Loved it. Really good, right? Yeah, it was so they they knew they knew what they were doing with us, Chizzy. Yeah. I think they said these two are gonna watch it and they want the meat and the bones. Like they, they're ready for it. And then they gave us it, and I'm so happy with it. Rings of power has arrived. It's arrived. Fully arrived. There were so many moments where I felt like I was watching, you know, I was just taken back to Peter Jackson's uh, iterations of the movie. Uh, even like the action, the way they were speaking, the shots, the music, it had everything. And I'll just say as well, I think one of the biggest things as well was that was the first episode that I watched where I actually didn't feel like I sat through an entire hour. It went that quickly. I was like, wait, what? Is that all? Like, why is it stopping there? So good. As usual, we'll go through uh, what happened in this one. Uh, absolute roller coaster. I think it's going to be difficult for us to even stop and try and analyze each bit because this is an episode that really, really flew. So, um, so obviously, we start with Adar. Surrounded by the orcs. He's giving his uh, Aragorn Black Gate speech. Yeah, what, what did you make of that um, opening opening scene? He had me convinced. I was like, let me join. <laughs> I too am an orc. I too am an extra from Snatch. Like, I can get my East London accent on. I was born there. Let me <laughs> let me join. I wanted to join in. I thought, come on, yeah, let's, let's go mash up the people. Then I was like, wait, wait a second. Wait a second, whose side is he on? Yeah, honestly. I was to like, step back and recollaborate, and I was like, wait, whoa, I don't want to be on the side of Sauron and that. Like, I like him, but I don't want to be on his side. I don't want to be there. You know, I want to be with my sister Galadriel and all, like, Galadriel and all that. So, yeah, it, it was such a good speak. The act, what's the actor's name in it? He plays Benjamin Stark on Game of Thrones. I know that. He was so good. He was. The guy who plays Arda, he was so good. He's so, he's so good because that speech, in comparison to what obviously we're going to get to the end, but what he's like at the end of the episode is a complete stark difference. Yeah. Like he goes really to the tower, like he's popping them out in, he's the guy. You could tell they properly respected him as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that's what I started to think. I didn't believe him being sad on route, like theories or rumors or whatever you want to call it, but I was like, maybe he's too powerful. He's a bit too OP. They're hanging every word he's saying. Yeah, no, exactly. They they do have um, of, there's like clear reverence for him. I think you know even from his first appearance, they made it very clear that the orcs uh, absolutely love this guy. You know, calling him father, chanting his name, ready to go die for him. Um, you know, even he told them that some of them are going to die tonight, and they still you know went with him. So I thought I thought that was uh, really good. Um, the interesting thing about this episode as well is that this is the first time we see 
people from different sections finally come together. So we have a reunion of, um, sorry, not reunion, well, let's call it a reunion of Galadriel and some men with uh, Middle-earth and Halbrand as well, his reunion with the Southlands. Um, So we do get, I think, a really nice scene of Galadriel looking out across the water, talking about how her elf eyes still land, you know, way before Isildur's eyes could. But, you know, they had a really nice moment and um, Galadriel talking about humility, but the way she presented was still that, you know, really, I'm really buying into the character of, like, she's really strong, but that wisdom was starting to come out as well. I think Isildur was a bit boyish in that scene, which is fine. He's supposed to be young. Um, but no, I, I really liked that. I really, it, it just, it just hit all the right places. I can't explain, explain why it's like talking, talking speech really came out there. No, I get what you mean. Cause that's one of the first times where I'm like, uh, I can see why you become who you become by the time the books come around. And she was coming in like, like, I love how, like, you know, like, what made her so amazing in the books and why she was one of my favorite characters in the books was that mm. she always talked to people at their at their level. Yeah. Um, not on their level. She always spoke to people with the, with the same reverence and respect, like the way she was speaking to Frodo, even though he was holding a ring, but there was a reverence and respect for him there. Um, and with all the other hobbits and everyone she spoke to, and with Isildur, it's very easy to sort of hear a stable hand and like sort of diminish him. But then she sort of has an open dialogue with him and tells him that like, no, what you're doing is important. Yeah. And it's important that you are you have humility in what you're doing because you are playing a big, a bigger part in a massive machine. You're just a small cog in it, but without you, we're not able to do what we're doing with the horses because you're feeding them and looking after them. So it was actually really nice to see that little spark of like, oh, okay, I can see why she becomes what she becomes and she becomes older. And yeah, you're right. Sildur was very boyish. I wanted him to listen well (laughs) because this is going to come true for you very soon. Yeah, yeah. Because I love how they did it in a way that, because you know sometimes, I know we said this last week, it's so easy when they're trying to do callbacks to films and stuff from previous before when you're doing a new show. But that was the perfect way to call back to what he was in the fellowship, in that prologue in the fellowship, by having that conversation. Because it just triggers, it triggered my memory. I'm like, oh yeah, what failed him was the fact that he didn't, he didn't have humility. He lost his humility. He got too caught up yeah. in his own power and seeking his own power and didn't want to throw the ring away. So I thought that was a really smart way of doing a callback without it being too in your face. It's just enough for people to be like, oh, yeah, I know why she's having this conversation with him, even though it's of no relevance now, but it means more down the line, I guess. Yeah, no, and um, that is, um, that's actually a really good point because I didn't even pick up on that. I did pick up on what you're talking about, but I noticed it in a completely different line where she was actually speaking about that humility and that even like, you know, the lowest of people can still change everything. Um, and that makes, that reminds me of when she said to Frodo, you know, even the smallest amongst us can do like the most extraordinary things and, you know, in the woods of Lothlorien in uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. So, yeah, it was a really clever callback. And um, honestly, and just a bit of cinematography stuff, I think, you know, the scenes were well acted, but the backdrop was beautiful. Galadriel looked great in her armour. You know, she was standing up tall, shoulders back. You know, the Tolkien books like talk about, like, you know, how men always, uh, you know, gazed upon Galadriel with this, 
there was just this reverence, not only like her beauty, but like her re, um, you know, how regal she was, how well she was. And I don't know what the camera was doing, but it really, really, I couldn't explain it technically. What I mean is what I mean, but it really, really came out in that scene. I, I thought it was wonderful. Really good stuff. No, I actually could no, everything you're saying, like you're saying everything I wanted to say basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. But, but literally this is such gonna be such a bad episode. Me and you would be like, Yeah, yeah, we agree, we agree. You know, it's like football fans and yes, sorry listeners, I know we bring up football every time in these things, but this this is just the best comparison because you see when a team is not performing well, uh fan bases tend to go into factions and start arguing about different things or blame different things or have different points of views. But when everything is gelling and when everything is going good, all we're going to do is high-five each other and talk about how great everything is. And I think that's what's happening here, uh, for sure. Like I said, it may be a bit harder to break down this episode in um, our usual structure. There is a lot of fighting in this episode, like a real elongated metal scenes where, you know, millions of pounds were spent uh, making it happen. And um, it's always a bit hard to analyse, but we will go for it. So um, so we're back at the Southlands now, and, uh, you know, Ado's done his speech. He's leading his men from the front, or his orc day, which I didn't expect. I thought, I, I didn't expect him to be the first person at the gates of the watchtower. And I'm like, you know, you're walking right up there, you're going to get shot. Uh, obviously, they find it abandoned, and Alan Deer does a really, really good ambush. But it, it was um, kind of brutal as well. Um, you know, arrows going into really nasty places, you know, entire wood planks going straight through people. Um, what, do, what have you thought of the uh, violence of uh, that scene and potentially violence of um, <laughs> this series in general? It's a bit stepped up from the original trilogy, I think. Um, the violence was a bit... No, I, I was a bit shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, rah. Like, because I knew I was expecting violence, but that was violence. <laughs> I've seen blood, like, I've been coming out of places. Like, it was crazy. It was quite a lot. And, and you know, not, not necessarily in a, in a bad way, um, but, you know, I, I don't think the other movies, you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see that much blood Unless it was coming from an orc, and you know, orc, orc and other creatures, it was easier because you know, if they're like animals, the blood would come out green. If it's orc, the blood would be black. Um, and you know, when they get splashed, you wouldn't necessarily see blood spurt everywhere. But um, the um, the blood pouring into his mouth—that was something, wasn't it? No, it was actually disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it was so disgusting. It was. It was, and not not something that. Um, I would have expected, but you know what? Um, I was really happy um, with the fight, and obviously, you know, Bramwin ends up saving his life. You know, after like a really, I think again, a really good choreographed um, fight scene, and Bramwin comes and saves his life with the context of Bramwin and Arendir having their first kiss. Um, what did you make of that? I was like, "Come on, love!" Yeah, yeah no, honestly, forbidden yeah. romance. I was, I was. Oh <laughs> no, it it was it was nice, um, honestly. And look, that's the kind of thing that 
gets me. Like you know, I, I'm not I'm not gonna shy away from it. I, I, I'm a lover, man. I love writing about it. I love seeing that stuff. And you know, and Brownwind's there talking about you know hoping all the shadow passes away, and she's looking into Arendir's eyes, and Arendir's saying things like, "We're going to plant new trees in defiance of death." So even if we die, we will answer that with new life. And I love, I just love words like that. And um, obviously, that was originally written by the writers of the show because obviously, you know, Arendir doesn't exist in the Tolkien universe. So uh, really well done. That sold me. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I absolutely love that stuff. Yeah, honestly, it was when he's like, he's like, I'm gonna be. I mean, I ain't the father, but I'm the father that stepped up. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know, that's right. Come on, Daddy. Honestly, they, they needed to bring that T-shirt. But hey, man, look, I don't blame him. I mean, look at Brownwin, man. I mean, just look at her. I understand why his head's gone, you know. But um, yeah, <laughs> obviously, uh, a man, a man goes, a man can go blind very quickly when faced with them. Certain views, certain views. We're just uh, no, no, man. He he was in love. I rate that, you know. He said, you know what. Be damned! I'm gonna be a good dad. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! But yeah, no, no. You know what? Now shout, you know, shout out to him. Shout out to him, and you could see he was—he was. It he was, um, was really commendable the things he did to, you know, keep those orcs um, at bay. And it seemed that they won the first round of the battle. Come to find out that they had actually slaughtered their own men. And I was, I did watch it thinking, um, okay, you know, this was a good fight. Uh, I'm glad they, you know, they stuck it to that big orc and, you know, a nice amount of explosions and stun and things like that. But they've won this um, rather easily. And um, like we've referred to of the recent themes of um, Rings of Power, the violence is really stepped up. And, you know, it starts with Arendir noticing that all the blood is red. Then they lift up the masks, and we see quite a few dead people. Uh, and and again, it just shows the absolute evil of these orcs. Um, and again, yeah, it, it kind of shocked me again. They're sick in the heads. <laughs> you know, you're right. There's no redeeming them. I was like, I was, I, you know what? I was trying to be a good Christian woman. I was trying to see something. something. There must be an Ocean's MP3 in there. In there, there must be an Ocean's MP3. Like, I know Hillsong didn't sing that song for nobody, but there's got to be good in you. Something. I could, and I'm like, when I saw those bodies, I thought, I can't, I can't, there's nothing. There's nothing. They just need to repent. But God, that's so, do you know how sick that is? Yeah, yeah. But it's so violent. I know. I'm, 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 I'm with you. It, I, I don't know. I'm not adverse to it. Like, um, you know, and shout out Oceans, by the way. What a song. But, um, the the callousness, the evil of these orcs, I think they've really nailed it because when you read the when you read the books, you feel like the Peter Jackson movies might have played down how evil and nasty orcs can be. Mm-hmm. But like this is like you know, obviously we remember what happened um, in the pit walk, I think in the second or third episode, how they killed all of Arendir's people, you know, remorselessly even when they eventually get into the tavern and start stabbing people, people get shot with arrows, including Brownwin, um, although she does look like she's going to survive. You know, a lot happened, and I think 
they've done really well to show us how irredeemable all these people are. Yeah. Yeah, actually. You're right. You know what? I think I'm um, like, harking back to what you what you said about um, um, Tolkien's exp- explanation of them. Yeah, it, it's there's something. There's it's not, I'm not dogging on Peter Jackson here, but the, obviously the Orcs of Peter Jackson were very because they were chatting and they've got that EastEnders accent. So I'm like I'm laughing at things they're saying, like oh meets back in the menu, boys. I can find it funny, but yeah. quite stark about watching them behave like this yeah no and it's but sometimes you know it's a bit more realistic you know with villains sometimes sometimes they tend to hold them back in a way and and sometimes it's usually just to make sure the story uh keeps going you know when like an orc has an opportunity to kill someone but instead just stands there and says something stupid, giving our hero time to recover and kill them and all that kind of stuff. Like, if you remember the way Aragorn kills Lurk in the Battle of Amon-Hen, um, you know, he was, like, roaring at him and roaring the dagger, like, deeper into him and all that kind of stuff. And I think he could have killed Aragorn, but there was a bit too much showmanship. And I think these orcs have proved to be really, really different. Um, so yeah, no, but, but good stuff, good stuff. Um, so sort of moving on from that, because um, like I said, this episode moved really, really quickly. We have, um, you know, Galadriel um, and the men of Numenor and Halbrand uh, running in. Um, my, uh, the guy, Abba, tries to steal the broken sword and there's the pursuit. And I want to ask you something. When Halbrand picked up that spear, and when chasing after Gladriel, who was chasing Adar, were you wondering if Halbrand was going to stab Gladriel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually that whole thing was very interesting. I'm like, how do you um how do you know him? Yeah. Second thing was like when Gladriel said stop or whatever she said, um, uh, and then um he'd sort of um, pull back. Yeah, I actually didn't know what he was going to do in that situation because I was more intrigued by what. How do you know him? And when he said, "Was it someone you love?" and he paused. Yeah, I'm like, who? Who? I, I, I now want to know. I'm not going to rest till I know what what this thing is because I'm like, that's the first time I've ever seen him that emotive about something, and he seemed so. He's been like taking it just a little bit. He's been a bit like cocky, a bit cocksure and stuff. That's the first time I've ever seen him behave with Vim. Yeah. Because I'm like, if he's trying to beef Galadriel and them to just, you know, go over their beef, then this must be something serious. I think so. I think so. Like, it, they're giving us a peek under the surface. I mean, what is obvious is there's something about Adar and Harburn's relationship that is yet to be revealed. Now, the writers are being very clever in this, and you know we we both speculated on this that Halbrand is a very much a will he or won't he sort of character. We don't know where this guy's loyalties are. We know that he is king of the Southlands, but we also know he was a servant of Morgoth, and we do not know his true intentions and the way the episode is being filmed, I think is really making us debate this. There's one more thing I want to run past you that I noticed. I've not seen it on any review websites or anything like that. But we know that Adar got 
have I got the broken sword at some point? And I'm just wondering, who could have passed it to him if not Halbrand? Where the hell did he get the broken sword from? I was, I was actually going to ask you this, right? How on the earth did he get that sword? Who gave it to him? Because the only person who I remember him having contact with is Halbrand. Yeah. At that almost stabbing moment. That's when he must have passed it. Sure. I, how, I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know, this is the first, ep- well, not the first episode, but definitely the second episode where I feel like re-watching. And I'm like, I need to pinpoint that moment because we see the broken sword was uh, switched out. So, again, Halbrand and... Uh, Something's going on. Something is going on. Yeah, because I'm like, something stinks here. Mm. But then how do they explain that plot hole, whatever that thing is? How did they explain that? That's my thing. Like, how did he secretly give it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, how, that, that's, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. So I'm trying to think. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I noticed it. I noticed it. You rattled me. Yeah, like, when I swam in the sword, how did you get that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, something could have happened off screen, but like I said, the way they are filming Halbrand, like, even to the point that he tripped up Adar, they did not make it clear who Halbrand was about to attack until the very last second. Because remember, he didn't come up to them from behind. He went round, so he was effectively charging at both of them, and then the camera aims at the... So he brings out his spear. He's obviously going to attack someone. And they don't show just Adar's horse. They show Galadriel and Adar's horse. And then Adar's raising his spear, and it's like, which one is he going to attack? Obviously, he attacks Adar, but that's where he gets near. Yeah, she speeds off on our horse, and he's the one that gets... Yes! Oh, do you know, I think they're trying to make us think... Because you know what I think they're going to do? And this is a bad moment because every time we try to guess they do something else but <laughs> I think they want us to ponder on him until the end of the season but I don't think we'll see his heel turn yet this season no no I think no. they're going to bide their time and make him morally grey he switches from two sides yeah and we won't truly know where he resides until we we'll probably see its full fruition because I, th- I don't know how many seasons they're planning to do with this because you could probably do three or four I'm guessing yeah that's what I think Maybe towards the last season or the end of the penultimate season, he'll have his heel turn. Sort of. A, this is a very weird comparison I'm making. Apologies, but you know, do you watch Ted Lasso? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. In Ted Lasso, a specific character is well liked. Yeah, has a bit of a, you know, some, you know, some, you know, bad things in him. I'm not going to spoil it for people who don't know, so you won't know what character I'm talking about. But he has a heel turn in the end of the second season. But it's been built up for so long yeah. that when it happens, it's like, well, obviously Jason Sudeik has been a good writer. Um, so that's what this reminds me of. Mm. That album's going to be like an Anakin Skywalker where he's going to be a bit morally grey for a little while. And then whether he turns or not, I don't know. It could be they decide that he he tires and then he, he comes back. So it does an Anakin post you know all the 66 and his empire it's return of the jedi anakin or it's anakin clone wars anakin where he's literally like yeah i'm turning to the dark side and here i'm staying so i don't know what side they're gonna sway because i would be very intrigued if they built it up yeah like he's morally great for a bit he will do some controversial things that are that for the right for the right causes 
but for the but doing it in the wrong way. He will sort of have little moments where he will talk back and stuff, but then he fully turns two seasons in. That'll be really interesting to watch because then it's more like heartbreaking because then Galadriel and him would have built up a relationship, this love hate thing, and then it happens. Or if they do the whole thing where he then turns and then comes back, that would also be quite fascinating to watch. I don't know. They've left it quite open-ended for them. They did, they did it quite well, that they've left it open-ended for them to do to go either direction. So it's up to them, really, what way they go. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, well, you know, look, this is, this is what we want. We want uh, interesting writing. And the character of Halbrand is proving to be very interesting and um yeah they might even let it go as far as love because um they did exchange uh a look um after galadriel um interviewed adar and we'll just I'll, I'll jump to that interview in a second um and yeah so if they build something up and you know problem genuinely falls in love then it does create that moral conflict and it's the classic you know I, you know it's the avatar story or homeland all these people that are in deep cover um and grow attachments to the sides that they're supposed to betray so they go back on themselves and it's a conflict and we don't know which way that they eventually land so yeah really good stuff and they've got um my attention um what did you make of um galadriel and adar talking um about yeah, you know, I, I feel like Galadriel got really dark saying that she's going to eliminate all your type from the earth and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what did you make of that scene? It's quite a surprise that she went there. Because, you know what, the first half, she had me in the first half, <laughs> where she was basically saying that we've heard about you elves who've been taken by Morgoth and, you know, what she was talking about, that stuff. And he basically explained, like, oh, like, about Sauron and stuff and how he killed him. And she's like, I don't believe you and stuff. So, like, when she was interrogating him, I said, okay, uh, all right, you've turned very, you know, this is very serious. I sound like I was watching Reservoir Dots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the interrogation scene when he cuts off the guy's ear? Yeah. She said he was going to keep him alive to Halbrand because she wants to talk to him. I thought, like, you know, like, let's slowly, you know, let's let's ease him into it and then talk. But she went straight in. No, exactly. Exactly. Like, I was shocked. Yeah, it was such a dark reason to keep him um alive it's like oh you know i thought it was like i need him alive and i was thinking oh yeah she wants to interrogate him she wants to find out maybe more uh about well she wanted to find out where Sarum was um and stuff and i was like oh fair enough and then she just straight up she, she straight up says to him i'm keeping you alive so that when i've killed every last orc or urukai um I can then turn to you and say all of your kind are dead and then kill you. And I'm like, you know, is, is, is that necessary? Is that necessary? <laughs> is, this, is this necessary? Oh, my God. You could be prosecuted for that. <laughs> I actually wanted to sit down, but you know what? You know what? You need some talking therapy with me for about, you know, 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your anger because huh? what is going on there what is going on you know you know it's like what is she cooking yeah honestly honestly yeah it's the moral it's the moral gray stuff again and i mean look this is what we like to see nobody's nobody's black and white i like that we have characters that aren't out there um being good because they're good you know um 
they've got motivations, they've got issues that they're trying to deal with. And look, it makes for a really great TV show. So let's, um, just to finish this off, let's talk about the final salvo of the episode, the massive reveal, what the Broken Sword was for, and what has surely just happened. That Sauron fanatic puts the sword, which um, Aaron did, told us was a key, and it starts a massive chain reaction that results in the eruption of that volcano. And I think we have just seen the eruption of Mount Doom. That, yo, yeah. I wanted to call you, yeah? About that. How loud did you scream? How loud did you scream? Let's, let's start with that. I literally, I'm not going to scream on here for the mic because I don't want to destroy you. <laughs> I was this, okay, I'm putting, oh, you can't see on camera. I'm putting my fingers close together. I'm this, I was this close to calling you and screaming. <laughs> I said, this is how it starts. And then I was like, I was this, I was like, no, nah, let me, I need to watch the fellowship. It's like, I need to start this whole, because <sighs> I couldn't believe it. I was so shocked they did it this early. Yeah. She was like, damn, not even the last episode, you're doing it now, so what's going to happen now? Uh, so I thought, if you're making Mount Doom now, then I don't know what's going to happen in the next two episodes now. I was so, so shocked. I actually couldn't believe it, because I thought it, this is like a last episode of a season sort of scenario where you make Mount Doom. Exactly. Like, because that would present us with, you know, like, if that was a season finale... If that episode that we watched just now was the season finale, I wouldn't actually have had a problem with it. That, that's a perfect place to leave it. Because now I'm like, oh, damn, Mount Doom's here. Like, Sauron's knocking on, is knock, knock, knocking on that door. Yeah. You know, Arda, we now who know who Arda is. We, we're now questioning Halbrand. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he in the middle? Galadriel's now coming into her own, but she's got a little bit of morally grey in her. You know, you, the human, like, obviously, the, the, the humans and, you know, Bramwin and Theo and what, what they're doing and stuff. So I'm like, this would be a very good place to leave it. That means those last two episodes must slap. Yeah. And for me, Obviously, we're going to get the fallout, the literal fallout of um, Mount Doom. And now for me, it's like beyond it. There's no question that watchtower that Arandir actually blew up. So that was really convenient. He blew up the watchtower. And I think that is literally where Barador is going to be built. It, it has to be. Because, you know, Barador's like on that, it's on a rock not far from Mount Doom. And I'm just like, this has to be where they build it. Because now Arandir's even blown it up, so like there's nothing left. <laughs> it's going to be built, and it's honestly, it it feels it's just such a such a great payoff. Now, looking forward, so we know it's going to be about the fallout of um, Mount Doom, but also the next two episodes, where I think are absolutely essential for me. We need to find out what's going on with the stranger. Uh, so just to finish off the episode, let's get your rating of this episode. And do you have any predictions for what the stranger is going to be or who he's going to be or how he's going to essentially fuck shit up? I give this episode a nine point a 9 out of 10. Okay. And it was genuinely, there's barely anything I'll change in there. Yeah. I'm, it was perfect as it was. It was, that was good TV. I'm going to watch that again. Yeah. yeah. The Stranger, I'm going to watch that again. It was that good. In terms of The Stranger, 
Remember the last week and I said to you that how someone was mentioning how all the pieces moving pieces are together to get everyone in the same place? Yeah. Now that Mount Dune's being created, I don't know what the stranger's going to do, but I think he connects with it. Mm. He's connected to the creation of Mount Doom. I've, I think him, the fact we've not seen who Sauron is yet, I feel like we'll see Sauron at the same time we'll work out who the stranger is. I don't know. Something's telling me that in my spirit. That we're going to find out who both of those two guys are at the same time. Yeah. I feel like those two are linked together. I don't know how I've got evidence to back me up, but <laughs> I feel like those two are intrinsically linked. I think he probably, like we said all the other weeks, I think he may be used as a weapon, but I think we'll have to take Nori and the help of her family and that community of Harfoots to sort of make him realise what side he should be on. Yeah. So I think we're going to watch him possibly rest with the idea of being used as a weapon, but Nori and them reminding him, like, no, like, you can actually do good. That, that's what I think. I think he's a weapon, but he's still, he's still malleable. Um, but I'll, I'll just, I'll cover, uh, so just to cover, like, my point, and I'll get into a response in that. First of all, I agree with you. Nine out of ten. Um, literally no complaints about that episode at all. That, that was Lord of the Rings... Editage, Lord of the Rings, editage. Um, no complaints. Like I said, the dialogue, the music, the shots, the action, the oh my god, wow! Like it just, it just had everything. Uh, in fact, the only reason it's not ten out of ten is because I just find it weird to give something ten out of ten. There might be a ten out of ten around the corner. As good as it was, I don't think it's given me any reason to do that so let's wait maybe it's still tax from other episodes that are still messing with my head a little bit because i put tax on the last episode too but that's that nine out of ten i'm with you in terms of i actually can't put tax on this episode because you know who i hear what we've been wanting is what we said in private conversations is what we said in, on this podcast so i was gonna tax it you know when i watched it i was gonna tax it from no, i can't tax this one yeah <laughs> you can't you can't it's it honestly it's it's almost like i feel like I could show that to people that haven't actually watched it to convince them that Lord of the Rings is still alive. They didn't kill it. That's what I would do with this episode. I, I think I'll show it to my brother. Just watch this episode with no context. You can figure out who is who, whatever. But watch this with no context. You cannot tell me, if you truly love Lord of the Rings, that you wouldn't get into this. Because unfortunately, my brother is like, I, I don't care. I'm not watching it. So... This is the episode. They've finally given me an episode. So um, I'll just talk about The Stranger as well. Obviously, yeah, the next episode, I mean, there was a bit of um, a teaser. They didn't give anything away. I mean, you see Nori crying and stuff. So obviously something's happening. Those school shooters dressed in white are after those uh, Harfoots. So we're going to see what happens. And uh, yeah, I'm guessing kind of like what you said, there'll be this emotional conflict because no doubt those uh, servants of Sauron will want to get rid of um, the Harfoots so they can take their weapon, which is what we're guessing they are. And there might be some resistance and, you know, some madness might come of that. Um, whatever happens, I'm now in a place of trust with the showrunners and we will see what happens. There is one thing, though. There is one thing that might overlap slightly with the episode. Whilst Mount Doom was erupting, uh, Adar escaped. I don't know if this was his last appearance this season, um, but he escaped. He's not dead. He's not dead. So we will see where he pops up. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Anything else to add, Priscilla? No, perfect episode. No complaints. The guy who plays Isidore, please call me. <laughs> um, he looks good. Fabian Frankel can wait five minutes. I want that guy. <laughs> Matt, you're, the, list, the list grows longer. The list grows longer, Priscilla. Fabian Frankel is number one because he's a Francophone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, no comment. This does not reflect the views of... <laughs> I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. So... Um, thanks ever so much uh, for listening, everyone. A bit shorter episode than usual, but um, honestly, it's quite hard to analyse battle sequences. They were just good. Go watch them. It's great. Um, it was a podcast uh, for dinner. Finally got it right. No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm never going to get it right. All right. They need to put in the cool music for me starting now. So thanks ever so much, everyone, uh, for watching another episode um, of the Rings of Power on Popcorn for dinner. <laughs> okay, right. This is going to go into the outtakes. Do you know what? Let's let's do it a little bit differently. How about you? How about you do the outro for us? All right. So everyone, um, obviously follow Popcorn for Dinner um, underscore Pod on all social platforms. Chizzy, do you want to say your Twitter for the folks who love Arsenal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's Chizzy, V-I-I, uh, on, on Twitter, uh, crying about um, Arsenal. Um, occasionally writing now. I've decided to become a pretend author uh, on there as well. Lord of the Rings, that episode with a bit of love in there certainly inspired me. So be seeing some new stuff for sure. Yeah, he was, he's a very good writer, guys. Read the stuff up. Um, if you want my Twitter, it's... My it's Priscilla, so sort of the first I said X I D K. Um, if you want to follow me on there, it's just me tweeting about Faber Frankel and how much I fancy him. Um, and um, yeah, that's it. So yeah, Frankel is going to play the music now. We're going to go away. But thanks, guys. Thanks ever so much. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Bye.